Uh, we got next week, next Sunday, we got a friend of ours who's been a friend for years, Pastor Todd Cruz is going to be with us. Uh, we got Super Bowl Sunday coming up. And for those uh, men who need to apologize for whatever, uh, Valentine's Day is the very next day. So uh, you could go on ahead. And uh, we are back in the building. Somebody say back in the building. Man, I'm so excited that we get to be back in the building uh, and we get to be together. Hey, I just wanted to shout out uh, real quick. I mean, I call it uh, bias, but uh, we have the best Legacy Center in the whole wide world. Uh, our Legacy volunteers are the best, whether it is snowing, raining, freezing cold, no matter the weather. Wednesdays, we're out there uh, feeding people in Maria Hernandez Park at 12. Uh, Thursdays, we're out there standing outside. It is raining. We are wet. We got ponchos on. Do we use ponchos? That's what, yeah, whatever. Uh, and uh, our team is just the best. So somebody give it up for our Legacy Center. One more time, somebody give it up for those that were baptized. Man, we celebrate their life choice. How incredible is that? And for those of you who uh, were baptized today, for those of you who have been baptized last time or years ago, those of you who have never been baptized, uh, I am praying that at the end of this service that we'll see and experience Jesus differently. So that we'll step into or step further into our calling that will want to be on fire and stay on fire for Jesus. I pray we get a deeper revelation of who God is because when we know who God is, we get a deeper revelation of who we are. And when we know who we are, we live differently. Hey, January 1st, right? We make all these New Year's resolutions. We, we, we start a lot of things, right? We say we're going to start eating right. Fail. Uh, we say we're going to we start going to the gym. We're going to start uh, saving money. We're going to start reading a book a month. We, we start all these things. We, we do some maintenance on ourselves so that we could be better people. That we could live better and, and have more money and whatever it is. We start new habits. But listen, it's not just about starting something. It's also about stopping some things. Stopping some bad habits, stopping some things that have been, uh, uh, that, that maybe started off as good, but now they're hurting us. Maybe stopping some things to make room to start some better things. Start paying attention to our surroundings and environment and patterns and stop some things that are keeping us in a destructive loop. We need to look at triggers in our lives and stopping those before they get us. We got to be aware of our environment because environment matters, right? You're not eating pizza at the gym. You're not getting drunk at church. You're not watching pornography at, in small group, if I'm being real. Environment matters. What we do, we, we got to pay attention to what are, we, what are we doing when we're making bad choices? Where are we when we're making bad choices? What we listen to and what we watch matters. Who we surround ourselves matters. When, when you're with people that are dieting, it's easier to lose weight. When you're with people that love Jesus, it's easier to love Jesus more. Company matters. we got to watch who we're surrounding ourselves. Let's pay attention to some of these things and stop some things to start some things so that we can be better and we can walk in the fullness that God has for us. We have to change some things to get the results that we want. You can't be mad at the results you don't get. When you didn't do the work. 
we got to change some things. I mean, you heard about when, you know, you're, you're sleeping and you got the alarm clock and it's sitting right next to you and it goes off. And because it's right next to you, you hit stop and you go back to sleep. What do you got to do? You got to disrupt the loop. You got to take the alarm clock and put it on the other side of the room so that you actually got to get out of bed. If your, your eyes are twitching and you're, you're, you're actually bugging out, sorry, Alex, step away from the coffee. If we're having problems spending more than we have, cut up the credit cards. If social media is causing us to look at things we shouldn't be looking at, delete the app. If some negative people are in your life, buy sorry not sorry. We have to start some things and we have to stop some things. And sometimes we have to get drastic with it to really make the pattern change to get the results we want to keep those results going and going and going and going. Leviticus chapter 6. The Lord said to Moses, these are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar throughout the night till morning. And the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then, shall then, shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body. And shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire is consumed on the altar. And place them beside the altar. Then he is to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and the burn, burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Three times in these instructions, it's 24-7, Every morning, must not go out, keep it burning, keep it burning, keep it burning. We should always be hot. Hashtag Krispy Kreme, hashtag best donuts on the planet, hashtag not just when the signs lit up, hot now, but hashtag always hot. <laughs> keep it burning, keep it burning, keep it burning. Add wood every morning, but also take away the ashes, the remains, the dead parts. There's maintenance to keeping a fire Burning. Add wood, take away the ashes. Add wood, take away the ashes. Ashes cause the fire to not burn as bright. Ashes take away the energy of the fire, eventually uh, causing it to fizzle out. Ashes cause premature burnout. Ashes hinder the airflow, not allowing the fire to breathe, which ultimately hinders the fire. Ashes build up and allow less room for what's needed to keep the fire burning. And remember, the ashes are the dead parts of something that was once good. Add wood, take away the ashes. Add wood, take away the ashes. It's constant maintenance. Add, take away, add, take away. Start something, stop something. I had a car once, and then I didn't. You want the backstory? Okay, okay. I was driving, and I saw the check engine light on, and I thought to myself, not a big deal. Uh, uh, I'll, de I'll deal with this another day. I had a busy day. I had too much going on. I was actually in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but I said, I, I don't have to deal with this right now. And, and then one day, the, the, the car began to shake and then shake violently. And then it started to cough and started to scream. And then all of a sudden, this cloudy, foggy, uh, luminous uh, smoke started to appear on the front of my car. And the car breaks down, and I'm on the side of the road, and I'm stranded. 
It would have cost me $30 for an oil change, except I wasted a whole day. I was without a car for a week. It cost me $2,600 to replace the engine, which never left the car the same, and I had to sell the car for less than the $2,600 that I paid for the engine. Talk about a lack of maintenance, costing, it, costing me more than I would have liked it to had I just paid attention to the warning. Had I, I just stopped the car and added some oil, I could have kept going. This goes for our marriages, relationships, finances, mental health, physical health, and of course, spiritual health. When we don't maintain the fire, it goes out. When we don't take care of something, it ceases to serve its purpose. It gets rusty and dry and empty and breaks down and it costs us more than we want it to. And I don't want it to. It takes taking care of, getting under the hood, routine checkups every day, every morning, putting wood on the fire, taking ashes off. In our spiritual lives, let's be high maintenance. It takes a decision and determination. I'm going to make it through. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to fizzle out. I'm not going to burn out prematurely. I'm not going backwards. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going to let him or her or it to mess up my checkup appointment with the one that created me and knows how I work and knows how I'm supposed to function, who put me together. Every morning I'm adding wood. I'm taking away the ashes. So that my fire could burn bright, I have to stop the car and get to a place to add what it needs to keep on going. In Exodus chapter 36 to 39, I'm going to say a lot of scripture, write them down. If you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, still write them down. It's just good to go back and check it. Uh, but it's talking about uh, where they built the tabernacle. And it talks about all the people that were involved. And it says, they made the table, and they made the lampstand, and they made the altar of incense, and they made the altar of burnt offering. They made the basin for washing. They made the courtyard. They, 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 Three days in those three chapters. Then it says, Bezalel made the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, where, where God would meet with man. It was a one-man job. It was between him and his God. It was exclusive. It was personal. It was private. No one else can meet with God for you. You cannot outsource your private time. This is between you and him. You have to have alone time. Checkups, maintenance appointments, your quality control, your performance review. The checkup has to be with you. I couldn't have sent my dad's car to the mechanic. It had to be my car. Corporate prayer is great and we need that, but you need you and God time. Pastor Durso cannot do that for you. Our private life has to be strong. God has to be doing more in us than through us. Our public life has to be greater than our private life. Nope. Our public life will not be greater than our private life. Our public, our public battles will not be greater than our private battles. Our public prayers will not be greater than our private prayers. You, you, you always say, man, how does Pastor Maria pray like that? How does Brenda or Doreen or Pastor Monique, how do they pray like that? Because they pray in private and they do it often. You can tell when someone meets with God. And you can also tell when someone's missed their checkup appointments and haven't been there in quite some time. There's actual evidence, and you may not see it, but believe me, everyone else does. 2 Kings chapter 22, 
This is 285 years since King David. He was the second king, and he was a good king. The first king was Saul. Very good, guys. Come on. Listen, it's, he was not a good king. It's cool to nerd out sometimes when you're, when you're reading the Bible. Do the math. Do some extra digging. I promise it will show you some other things all throughout the Old Testament. Israel had good kings and bad kings, which is usually determined well, with how that king led Israel spiritually. If he was a bad king, it would say he did evil in the sight of the Lord. If he was a good king, it said he did good in the sight of the Lord and he destroyed the idols and foreign gods. Out of 39 kings of Israel in 390 years, there were only four really good kings. Those that did good in the eyes of the Lord and tore down the idols and foreign gods and foreign altars. They didn't just do good by starting and implementing uh, uh, some good practices. They stopped some bad things too. And these guys went to the source of the problem. These, these idols, these foreign gods, they, they went back hundreds of years. Back to King Solomon who was the third king. And he had 700 wives. Could you imagine what that Valentine's Day looked like? Hey, I, I need a table for 701 at 8 p.m. Talk about a nightmare. His trigger was foreign women. And, and like most men, they, they like to please their wives. And, and Solomon allowed these women to come in with their gods. And, and he, he allowed them to set up altars and set up foreign things. And this crippled generations to follow. Generations and generations dealing with his triggers until a good king came and went to the source and cut that thing out because it was affecting the people's relationship with God and the effect was evident. I mean, God's first two commandments, it was all about relationship, right? The, the, God's a jealous God. He wants to be number one in our lives. He wants to be the king of our hearts. The, the first commandment is... Don't have any, any God before me. Second one is, don't make any graven images. Now, I'm sure none of us have graven images that we bow down to and we burn incense to. But man, idols come in so many different ways. It's whatever we put in front of God. It could be sports. It could be uh, uh, social media. It could be dating. It could be houses. It could be career. It could be money. It could be uh, 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 your phone. It could be even family can become an idol. What we put, when we put these things first in our lives, it prevents us from living the life we were called to live and sets up the next generation to deal with our mess. So 2 Kings 22, we come to Josiah. He's one of the good kings. This is Josiah. He was the great-grandson of Hezekiah, a great king. He was the, the son of uh, Manasseh, who was one of the worst kings. And he, uh, he was the grandson of Manasseh, who was one of the worst kings. And he was the son of Amon, who was a horrible king, who only served for two years and his own staff killed him. Well, here comes little Josiah. Takes the throne at eight years old. He gets right to work as a young man. In his eighth year as king, so if he took the, took, became king at eight and he's in the eighth year, he's, man, you guys are good. Sweet 16. He began to seek the Lord. He looked around and he said, man, something isn't right. This isn't the way we're supposed to be living. How did he know? 
He had a bad grandpa. He had a bad dad. He wasn't alive to see great grandpa who was a good king, Hezekiah. How did he know? Uh, the Bible tells us that Josiah had some older guys around him who were directing him and telling him uh, uh, how to lead. It is important that we have older, and I'm not talking age, older men and women in our lives showing us things, uh, uh, helping us, directing us, guiding us, advising us. And then we got to make sure that we're that person also for someone younger than us. Who knows if Josiah would have been a king had he not had these guys in his life. So Josiah knew things needed to change. Some things needed to start and some things needed to stop. So he goes right to the source. He, he stopped some things. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of idols and anything that didn't belong 16 years old. He actually kills the priests of other religions that were hanging out in the city and he burns their bones on their own altars. This little dude is not playing. Can I say stopping some things needs to be violent sometimes? We have to kill some things in our lives, smash some things, destroy some things, get rid of some things. We have to disrupt the loop. We have to be radical about it and be aggressive against it uh, to completely get rid of these things. We got to be drastic and dramatic so it makes a lasting impression on us so that we will not return to those things. I believe God is speaking to someone even right now. You know what you're supposed to stop. Burn that thing down. 18 years into his reign, so he's 26 now. He realizes that the temple of God, the house of God, it, it, it's in a complete mess. It was a disaster. It was in ruins. It was not operating like it was made to. That There was absolutely no maintenance going on. I mean, idols were running smoothly, so obviously it's no wonder that the temple, the house of God, was a mess. He says, no, 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 no. We need this thing back up and running. He says, hey, we got to get back in the building. So he hires the workers and the carpenters and the masons and the builders and the stone layers. Those are people that lay stone for you lay people out there. <laughs> Guys, I'm a manly man. Like, like I put the man in manual labor. Lies.com. I'm kidding. Anyway, everyone's working. And he calls his secretary, Shaffin, over and he says, hey, bud, I want you to go over to the temple and I want you to to uh, uh, you, I want you to go find the high priest Hilkiah, and, and I want you to go pay the workers. And so uh, Hilkiah, the high priest, and Shaphan, the secretary, they go, all right, let's do, do as we're told. The, the king said, go over to the temple and pay the workers. And so they go over to the temple, and, 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 and they do what they got to do. And I imagine they're now walking around this, this ruin of a temple. Maybe so excited about the changes that their new king is doing. Uh, maybe, maybe imagining, saying, man, this place used to be a, a magnificent place, an incredible place. And, man, all the amazing things that happened here. But, man, we're going to get back to it. And I'm so excited that this is going to get back up and running. And they're walking around and imagine they're kicking over boxes and kind of just looking at the place in shambles. And they, uh, Hilkiah happens to walk over to a place and he kind of looks in a corner because it's not obvious to anyone else and he actually finds something and he says, hey, Shaffin, I, I found something. This is, this is the Bible. This is the Torah. This is the five books of Moses. Like, like I found this. It was, it was lost. Like, like, look at this thing. The word of God was lost in the house of God, and no, temp, 
No, no wonder that the temple was in ruins. It was in shambles. It wasn't operating like it was supposed to operate. I mean, how is this possible? Like, how did this even happen? Deuteronomy said that every single king had to write his own copy of the Bible and read it every single day. How could a hundred years go by since uh, King Hezekiah and, and now the word of God was lost? Like, like no one's read this thing in a hundred years now. At some point, someone got casual with it. And it had long-term impacts. It cost Israel a hundred years of the temple being out of order, the kingdom being out of order, the people being out of order. And it cost them more than they should have afforded. There was obviously a first day, though, that it was lost. What did that day look like? Maybe the king was busy. Maybe, maybe he had a, a round of golf to play. Maybe he had a war to win. Whatever it was, there, there was a day that a king says, hey, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll pick it back up again later. And tomorrow comes with more stuff and more stuff. And it makes it easier not to take the time to read and pray. And a few days turn into 100 years. And you think in the whole kingdom, like, no one noticed no, no one was missing this thing. No one saw the temple in ruins. No one saw these, these, these idolaters building altars and worshiping other gods. No one noticed that the people of God were distracted. No one was out there screaming, waving their arms for help. Listen, storms come to everyone. And for some of us, it, it happens and it was nothing we could have done to avoid it. But some of us were in storms and we're wondering how, how we got here. Wondering how did this even happen. And yeah, listen, I've been there. We're quick to pray, God help me, God help me. But there was, there was a day that we, we put the book down. There was a day that we got busy. There was a day that we got comfortable with it. We got casual with it. And a few weeks go by and we get routine and we get casual and we get chill and we get lazy or we get busy. And we get into more trouble and we don't see the urgency in the matter. We're setting ourselves up for ruin, for a downward spir spiral. Listen, the enemy's got nothing but time. You miss one day, you miss two days, he just stands by and waits. And then, then all of a sudden, you're just looking on social media and some stuff pops up and it hits you in the face. And other things, foreign things, start to creep in and set up shop and they build altars and they distract us. And we allow other things to become more important or as important. He throws stuff in your way to grab your attention. Good stuff even sometimes. A big promotion, a new love, anything to take your attention off the fire. And before you know it, you are in the fight for your life. And you may think it's just you and this is your life and you could do whatever you want. But listen, you're raising your kids in that environment. Your friends are seeing the deterioration of this building. And before you know it, the temple is in ruins. The building is out of order. The ashes have built up and it begins to smother the fire, it's so subtle, it's so easy, it never just happens overnight. But we say, I don't need to read. I went to church Wednesday night. Pastor Durso preached amazing on the Holy Spirit. I came to church on Sunday. I, I listened to my, my worship music in the car or on the train. Like, like that's okay. And I'm like, man, do, do you eat every day? Reading the word of God, eating the word of God should be just like that. Like, like if we're not reading, it, we should be starving for it. It should make us uncomfortable. And you may not see it yourself, but I promise others can see that you're hangry. And no, I'm not blowing things out of proportion. Your life has long-term impact whether you think it does 
or not. I've seen too many on fire Christians that were doing some amazing things for God and they got casual with the word and they got casual with prayer and their communication with God and now they're nowhere and they're not doing anything and I talk to them and, and they, they start to talk about the good old days and they, were, they used to be happy, they're complaining about life now, but they, they remember the good old days man, when everything was amazing and they used to be happy and they were excited about life and I'm screaming, man, just pick it back up again. Get back in the building. Get the word back in the building. We make it harder than it really has to be. And if it makes it easier, God just wants this for us as well. He wants to restore what was lost. He wants to fix what was broken. He wants to rebuild what was ruined. So that this temple is operating at its best. So that this temple is productive and clean and functioning like it was designed to do. I'm not talking legalism like you got to read 27 chapters a day or pray for 94 minutes. Uh, but there has to be constant maintenance. Start with a verse. It needs to be done. Communication with God so that the temple doesn't go out of service, out of order. That the fire doesn't go out. That we don't get stranded in the middle of nowhere out of gas and broken down. That we live how we're supposed to live and so that things don't cost us more than we can afford. Psalm 119, one says, I hide the word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Second Kings 6, 8 through 10 says, the enemy was setting up traps to defeat the people of Israel. Time and again, time and again, Elisha, the man of God receiving the word of God, warned the king so that they were on their guard in such places. When there's trouble, it's his word that protects us. When we need direction, we don't know where to go. It's his word that's a light unto my path. Every time the devil tried to get Jesus to sin, Jesus responded with God's word. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God, and, and it talks about how we're supposed to dress. Did you know that 87% of that is for protection? It's to be on the defensive. The shield, the boots, the chest plate, the helmet, the belt, it's all defensive. The sword, the word of God, is the only piece that helps us fight. Man, I don't want to be in a corner just defending myself. I want to attack that thing that's threatening my life and my future. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. So no word, no faith. And it's impossible to please God without. That's a scary cycle I don't want to jump into. Don't be a casual Christian. Don't let the fire go out. Add wood. Take away the ashes. Start something. Stop something. Start some things. Stop some things. Start reading your Bible. Stop waking up. Uh, going straight to social media. Uh, st start believing what he says. Stop believing what they say. And listen, just because Josiah got the temple up and running, he was the last good king. Soon after... Egypt comes in, defeats them. Babylon comes in, defeats them. Then Rome. And by the time Jesus gets on the scene, he has to clear the temple three time, two, two times uh, in three years because some other stuff, some foreign stuff had set up in the temple. And he throws all the tables. He flips all the tables. He gets drastic with it because he says, no, you guys have made my house a den of thieves, but my house shall be called a house of prayer. I don't want to break down. I don't want to be out of order. I don't want to be in ruins. I don't want to be unusable. I don't want my life and my calling to get cobwebs. I don't want people looking at this and saying, man, that, that used to be amazing. And, and thinking about what once was. Seeing the past saddened by its current state. I want the word of God to be ever present in this house of God. 
so I'm functioning and operating at my highest performance, doing what I've been called to do and being who I've been called to be. We're going to pray in a second. We're going to sing a song. If I could just nerd out real quick a little bit. I, I love this stuff. Yeah, worship team, come on. Come up and get ready. I told you about the two guys that were in the temple that found the word. It was, it was Shaphan the secretary and Hilkiah the high priest. Shaphan, Shaphan, remember Shaphan. Shaphan was a, a guy that was there, right? He found the word. It actually says that when, he, when Hilkiah found the word, it says that Shaphan took it and ran to the king and read it to the king. And it says that the king says, pray for me. So Shaphan and others, including one of his sons, actually go inquire of the Lord for the king. Shaphan had three sons. Verses will be on the screen in case you don't believe me. Shaphan has a son named Ahikam. And Ahikam was there when people went to kill Jeremiah the prophet, the man of God. The man with the word of God says, but Ahikam, son of Shaphan, supported Jeremiah, the man of God, so he was not put to death. Shaphan had another son, Elisa. Remember that famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, right? right that verse, Jeremiah wrote that to, to send to the the, the Israelites the, the, that were exiled in Babylon. You'll never believe who was the one that brought that letter to, to Babylon. Elisa, son of Shaphan. Jemariah, son of Shaphan. says, Jeremiah wrote a letter to repent to the people, sent Baruch to read it, and guess what? He read it from Jemariah's room. The king heard about the word from God. The king actually gets mad, and he begins to burn the letter, and he starts to cut him up into pieces. And Jemariah, son of Shaphan, risking death because he's coming against the king, urged the king not to, and the king stopped burning the word. Shaphan has some grandkids. Jedaliah, son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, says when King Nebuchadnezzar took Judah to Babylon, he left this guy, Jedaliah, the grandson of Shaphan, as governor over the remnant. And the Bible says in the midst of rubble, they had a harvest, an abundant harvest of wine and summer fruit. He had yet another grandson, Micaiah, son of Jeremiah, son of Shaphan. Says that when Micaiah heard a letter of Jeremiah being read, he ran to the officials to tell them the word of the Lord. These guys didn't preach. They didn't prophesy. They didn't have a big platform. But they kept the word of God the man of God, the people of God, the things of God, alive and moving forward, even allowing their room to be used, hashtag small groups, so the word of God could be brought forth, whether I'm preaching or not. I want to keep the fire burning. Man, people are hurting. People are hungry. I have the instruction manual. I have the owner's manual to the temple to help us function and live a life of abundance. Just read the instructions. I, I got to tell you the story real quick. I'm sorry. Sorry, Dad. Well, my parents uh, used to have a fish. No idea why. Fish was named Tallulah. And they, they were going away and they said, hey, Jordan, would you, would you feed the fish? Would you come over the house and feed the fish? And I said, sure. And I had been tasked with this once before. And they said, uh, it's, it's just three pellets. Uh, just come in, give them three pellets. 
And I said, okay, uh, sure. And so they went away, and I walk into the house, and I go in the kitchen. And as I'm approaching uh, the fish tank, I see Tallulah, and she's doing backflip. She's like Theo Jordan. Like, I can see the bubbles going. Like, she's excited to see me. She's like, this is the guy that's going to feed me. And I remember what mom said, adamantly, three pellets. So I put the three pellets, smallest things you've ever seen. I put them in my hand. And, All right. And I give them to Tallulah. And Tallulah goes, yum, 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 0.4 seconds. And then Tallulah's looking at me with these eyes. And then looking around for more food. And then looking at me again with these eyes and looking around for, for more food. I actually saw a tear. Tallulah cried. I said, there's no way that this could be enough food for this fish. So I grab the food and I look at the instructions. And it says, feed your fish three to ten pellets two to three times a day. Tallulah was starving. <laughs> Although that fish lived way longer than any of us expected to, so I don't know, maybe you guys are right. But man, if we would just read the instructions, if we would just read the instructions, we would do things right. If we just read this, other people would be fed, we'd be functioning at our highest capacity. They would be functioning at their highest capacity that simple. God's given us the instruction manual to operate correctly. We can use it or not, but I promise whatever you decide, it will show. And we want every single one of you operating high performance in every single area of your life. I don't want to be on fire for just one day or half the year. Every day of every year for the rest of my life, I want my fire roaring. So I add wood, I take away ashes because there's too much at stake. And I'm not willing to let distractions set up in this temple, in this house, because it affects more than just me. It's long kingdom impacts. See, I believe that because Shaphan lived how he lived, his children lived how they lived, and their children lived how they lived. That's what I want for me and my children and their children and you and your children and your children, that if they trace it back, they would see it was because of decisions that we made today and every day to pick up the instruction manual, to start some things and stop some things, to cut some things off at the source, not letting them affect the next generation, that our kids wouldn't even have to deal with this. I want to be determined to live a life like that, to live a life on fire, that our spiritual lives will be high maintenance, that our decisions would affect our homes and our co-workers' homes and our friends' homes, and that it will trickle down and it would spread like wildfire. And listen, when we're standing on the Word of God, I promise you're going to make it, and I'm going to make it, and we're going to make it, and our children are going to make it, and their children are going to make it. We're going to make it through no matter what comes because we're standing on the Word of God. Come on.